everyone, and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. This is Chad Russell. That is Kurt Souter of Further Still Ministries. And we started this show nine years ago, uh, depending on when you hear this. And we said we want to do a show for men, by men, talking about things from a man's perspective. We just felt like, guys, we are really good at sports, weather, and politics, which is okay. But at the end of, the li- end of life, there's way more to life than that. Okay, so we wanted to be as as men. We said we wanted to be part of the solution or the help that if you as a man or woman, if you are not walking with the person of Jesus Christ, then you are not fulfilling your destiny by God's creation of you in his image. Some people theologically may disagree with me on that. I'm under the camp of if you're breathing, you have an opportunity to follow Jesus. And we just want to be a very small tool in the toolbox of doing that. So that being said, today, we are talking uh, today, which we talk about different topics, but today we're going to use a word uh, that you may hear, and that is uh, diversity and being diverse and maybe seeing some differences in things that in a culture or the way things are going, they change up a little bit. Now, when you hear that word, some people say, oh, where are we going with this? Which is good. I want to. St- Jesus was a pot stirrer. He stirred the pot, meaning if the status quo is away, he came in and said, "Let's change the status quo." The way that he did it was done in a righteous, holy way. And today we're going to talk about what that looks like in our life. So, Chad, you know, you know, you walk down the street, and sometimes you just bump into people. And uh, I bumped into this guy. Well, you must have fell. Uh, yeah, this, because, this, he's this, a big, because he's a big dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you hear this guy? It, it's a it's a big dude, man. How yeah. tall are you? I'm six two. Okay, uh, six right. two and about two forty. Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> well, my little five eight frame. Uh, <laughs> No, I, I bumped into Brandon, and uh, Brandon, you, you you have become a neighbor of ours, and we connected immediately. Yes, sir. And it was just uh, I go something's about this something's about this dude that I like, <laughs> and uh, we we had breakfast together. We sat down, and um, all of a sudden, I could just tell that this this guy loved Jesus, yeah. and uh, so I said we got to talk uh, we got to talk about this on the radio, and and so Brandon. Uh, you are, uh, well, let's just tell our listeners, yes. you grew up in Atlanta. You're a preacher's kid. Talk, yes, talk about that just a little bit. Yeah, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. My mom and dad pastored for over 20 years. Um, it was some of the greatest times and the most challenging times of my life, at least of my childhood and my, uh, my teenage years. I seen my mom and dad take in homeless people every Holiday, we were feeding the homeless and, and giving gifts, partnering with Walmart and Target to make sure that we can give Christmas to those that didn't have Christmas. And I kind of felt at the times that I was missing out, that, you know, we didn't have a chance to really, you know, uh, bond as much because of, you know, the different kind of things my parents was doing in the community. But um, after a while, I started to learn about the love of God. <laughs> You're like, what are, what are mom and dad up to? <laughs> right. So it was it was great, though. It was a great childhood. Just a lot of different challenges. You got how many siblings? It's a total of five. I'm the favorite, but I have two brothers and two sisters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there's always a favorite in the family. Right, right, right. But you, your mom, you, but you really learned the love of Christ through your mom and dad. For sure. Absolutely. They were... I mean, they were incredible role models for sure. I seen my dad 
Uh, to this day, I have never seen my dad and my mom fuss, argue. I can't think of any times in my life where I've seen them getting into it. They had this rule where they would go away, re- reconcile issues, and come out, you know. And that's a blessing, but the challenging part in it was I didn't know how to reconcile stuff with <laughs> my, with my girlfriends and, and then obviously with my wife. So it was a lot of learning curves in there, but it was great. It was a great example, great role models for sure. You uh, married an awesome lady. I did. She's amazing. August Gatson. She's from L.A. And uh, she is my wife, the mother of my two kids. Hopefully it turns to seven. But uh, <laughs> does she know? Does she know this? She does not okay. know this. She she's thinking I'm getting ready for an operation, and I'm preparing for more. So 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 Brandon, you're sitting right next to a guy who has six boys. This is God. Yeah, yeah there you go, man. <laughs> I was gonna Let say, me touch to him. <laughs> I can get your wife and my wife together if we need to. <laughs> Counseling session. Oh, Brandon, you grew up playing ball. I did. Talk about that a little bit. Basketball. So it started off, my, my neighbors used to joke on me all the time. I had a big head and big feet, little body, so they called me Bobby World. I don't know if this generation remember, remember Bobby's World. But, um, yeah, I uh, grew up in a neighborhood where everybody played sports. My oldest brother was the basketball whiz, um, and I used to watch him just work on his handles outside in the street. Every night he would just be out there for hours working on basketball moves and drills, and I kind of took to that because I wanted to be like Big Brother. And, uh, and he faded and went into music. He's a, a high-level producer today, but I stayed with sports. Um, I went to North Atlanta High School. My freshman year, I had a, a verbal commitment with Georgia Tech. I started varsity. I was doing really well. Um, my sophomore year, um, I was removed from school. It's a nice way of saying it. I was kicked out, but I was removed from school. <laughs> Got into some some fights and gang stuff and wasn't really complying to the rules. And uh, they sent me to alternative school. Went there for a while, and then I was able to get back into public schools, and uh, my mom was just so incredible in this. So in order for me to get back into public schools, I had to go to a hearing, and the judge uh, made the decision that um, I needed to go to a psychologist because I had anger issues and all these kind of things, and so I did. And the psych said that I had ADD, and they diagnosed me with Ritalin, or diagnosed me with ADD, saying I needed Ritalin. And my mom just knew I was disobedient. She knew I was I was running from God. I didn't want any parts of, you know, just collaborating and working with the teachers and even them. And uh, she you, had some, you had some foolishness. In I had there. some foolishness, some serious foolishness. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but every day I came home from school, I would see my mom lay in the living room, and she would just be praying every day. I would have to step over her, go upstairs, get my basketball, come back downstairs, step over her, and go outside and play. And she was just interceding for me and my brothers and my sisters. And uh, I was allowed to get back in public schools. Had a great junior senior year. Was top twenty in Georgia. Averaged twenty four six and seven. And uh, it was it was great. But because of my record, you know, a lot of colleges didn't want to take a chance on me. And uh, I went to this uh, church service. I was invited by a girl that I really liked. She was gorgeous. And I wasn't going to tell her no. So I went to her church and uh, I walked in. And when I walked in, they were in prayer and they stopped the prayer. And uh, it was a lady in the front. And she was like, you, sir, can you come here? And I walked to the front and she was like, "Uh, can I pray for you? And I'm like, sure. And I held my hands out and she says, oh, I see you play basketball. And the Lord told me to tell you, you're going to college and he's going to bless whatever you put your hands to. Two weeks later, I had a, a West Virginia, a Glenville State in my living room offering me a full ride scholarship. And uh, it was it was just it was incredible. Mm. Yeah. So you played ball there for 
Not, played, not your whole career. Not my whole career. Yeah, I played in uh, West Virginia. Um, then I left there and went to junior college in Mineral, Ohio. And then I left there and ended up actually went down to UNC, North Carolina. With Kenny Smith, Kenny the Jet Smith. He ended up being my role model and, uh, and a good mentor to me. Um, he actually got me connected with the coach that was at KSU. He was down at the camp too at Kentucky State University. And, uh, and pretty much Kenny recruited me to come here. And so I did and played ball here and left here and played ball in Chicago. Uh, actually semi-pro ball in Chicago when uh, Tim Grover was my trainer, who was the legendary trainer of trainers, trained Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Waits, Serena Williams. Uh, I mean, you name it, he's trained everybody. So he trained me in Chicago, and uh, helped me get my first gig, and I played some pro ball. So uh, back up, you were at Kansas, uh, Kansas, Kentucky State. How, how long? I was at Kentucky State. I played there one year, and I left to, to go play pro ball. But I was I was in Frankfurt ten years. So I went back when I left professional basketball. I went back to KSU. But prior to leaving to go play pro ball, uh, I got involved with the campus Bible study there. And um, <clears throat> it started off, it was like six of us, and it went from six to 100 in less than uh, a semester. It blew up on the campus. And the uh, the guy that was over at Gil Finley, um, when I first went, he was teasing me. Like, I would go in, and he would say, hey, what, did, what do you think about this? And what are your thoughts about the Holy Spirit? And I'm like, why is this guy picking me out? Like, what's the deal? And then afterwards, he told me that God had highlighted me to him and that he was supposed to train me up and equip me and all these different things. And so I would come to his office during the day because he worked at the university and we would sit down and we would go through scriptures and chapters and, and he would turn the Bible towards me and ask me what I feel like God is saying to me. It was really discipleship. And, uh, and it was intense. Like he would take me to his house and we would seek God and we would spend time in prayer. And we started praying to Ephesians 117 every day that God will give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened that we may know what is the hope of his calling, etc. We would pray it every day and just pursuing God for wisdom and understanding and clarity. It was, it was a great experience. So we built into that relationship and, um, and yeah, man, and it was life changing. That is cool. So we're going to take a break. That was enough for a whole show, that first segment. But we got three more. <laughs> so we're going to take a break, be back shortly, hear more from Brandon about his journey and how he had his eyes open at a conference to say he knew what direction he was going after that. So we'll take a break. Be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio. Ellen and Credit Union has been around the Louisville, Kentuckyana area for decades. They can help you with every financial need that you have, whether it's personal, commercial, you need a home loan, car loan, Ellen and Credit Union can take care of you and all of your financial needs. Bright Star Home Care. If you have someone that you love and care for that needs in-home care, whether they need one visit a week or they need 24-7 care, Bright Star Home Care is your very first contact to start that process and find out what's best for you and your loved one. We also want to thank PodLoo.com. That's the Louisville Podcast Studios. If you want to do a professional-sounding podcast or video cast, you want to look and sound great? Louisville Podcast Studios is your contact. Go to podlu.com. That's P-O-D-L-O-U.com. So our last segment, we talked to Brandon, introduced to him about how he was a, a pastor's kid, but then he thought he was going to be playing some pro basketball, which he did play some, but God had other plans for him. 
So, Brandon, you, you really kind of were dreaming pro ball. Yep. And for, for not just a short little piece of time. Talk about that. Tell our listeners about and what God was doing and how he shifted that. Yes, sir. Well, my whole life was built around basketball. I'm thinking I'm going to the NBA. Um, I had an opportunity to, to meet a lot of players, to have played with a lot of players, and especially in my time at Georgia Tech. I mean, Stefan Marbury, all those guys, like I was with them daily. You know, so I'm thinking I'm going to the league, me, Steph Curry, and all those guys, right? <laughs> um, and when I got into college um, – I started to learn that there was a difference between uh, purpose and pleasure and, um, and, and, and really how callings work, that callings can be seasonal, that, you know, there's things that you're called to, but you're only called to it for a certain duration of time. And so when I got into college and uh, started getting involved in campus Bible study, my appetite started to change. I started to fall in love with seeing God impact the students um, and hosting events and creating a space for people to encounter God a little different than the traditional expression Sunday morning, Wednesday afternoon, you know, at church. And so um, when I left KSU to go play professional basketball, 10 games into the season, I heard this phrase in my heart that I hate basketball. I mean, and it was the weirdest thing. I mean, I couldn't I couldn't get campus Bible study off my mind. I'm having dreams about it. I can't sleep throughout the night. I mean, it was so much going on. And uh, and I knew God was calling me out of basketball. And when I went back to my mentor to talk to him about it, he said, son, you got to make a decision. He said, right now you got to choose between pleasure or purpose. He was like, basketball right now is, it sounds like it was something that you wanted to do that God used up until a certain point. But right now you need to, you know, seek God on purpose. And I did that and came to the conclusion I needed to walk away from basketball and to pursue this calling of serving people and by way of teaching and preaching and hosting events, et cetera. And so I went to my coach, he's a Christian guy, and uh, and I told him what had been taking place, the dreams and the calling and, and what I felt. And he said, Brandon, if you're wanting to leave this team to go preach the gospel, I'll let you leave. I'll let you out your contract. He did. I went back to KSU, immediately got back involved in campus Bible study. The president hired me at the university, gave me a job that I absolutely did not qualify for. <laughs> That's what God does. That's he what qualifies he does. the unqualified. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, and that that began to like segue my life in a, in a certain direction. And um, and years later, um, I ended up my wife. She came to visit KSU at the time. She wasn't my wife, but I met her. She ended up being a great friend. And, uh, and I pursued her, and there's another story. In pursuing her, she told me no 32 times. <laughs> but she was blind. I mean, at some point, we were all blind, but now we see, right? But, uh, but yeah, so <laughs> I ended up, uh, I ended up uh, marrying August, and, uh, and we were, you know, doing different, different events and stuff with churches. But we went to this conference, and it was powerful. I mean, I was seeing people get healed, and they had made the gospel so practical, so simple, and just really communicated the love of God in such a way where anybody could receive it. It was, it was incredible to me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and all of a sudden I just had this urge to look around. I looked around the room and I noticed that the room lacked diversity. I noticed that it was, uh, it wasn't multicultural. It wasn't multi-ethnic and it wasn't multi-generational. And, uh, and I looked at my wife, I said, babe, this is amazing. There should be more people here. Da, da, da. And I'm like, you know, it's not really diverse. And she said something that brought a conviction that I feel like led to, you know, where I'm at today. She said, when you don't see it in the head, you often don't see it in the body. 
when you don't see diversity in the head, in the leadership, in the culture there, a lot of times you won't see it in the body. And I sat down because at that time we were standing up and I just sat down and I felt like God showed me this, this, this traveling entity that was designed to present Christ to the culture for sure, our job and our commission, but also represent Christ to the church in a way that was, you know, that involved multiculturalism, that, that, that was diverse, that, you know, gave way for different expressions. And, uh, and from that, it led us to this ministry called School of Reform. And, uh, and it's not at all to like, you know, point and highlight and say, this is not, this is, this is not that, you know, there, there are certain challenges in certain regions that, you know, causes for there to be a lack of diversity and that kind of thing. That wasn't our aim at all, but we knew that God was calling us to, to the degree of grace that we have create a picture that can help people see, you know, some of these attributes, the beauty of, you know, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, the beauty of, you know, different sounds and different genres of music come together, the beauty of training kids from ages, you know, three and up and empowering, empowering them today to, you know, communicate what God is saying to them and, and, uh, and just those things. But uh, over a three day weekend where we get in and we, we, we uh, provoke this culture, we, we, we try to create an environment where people can encounter these convictions and take them to their respectful places. So we realized that we wasn't a church, but we was, we was an extension of the local church in the sense that we wanted to work with the local church and, and that we're the body and it's, it's better for us to come together. And, uh, and from they say, I mean, I felt like from a revelational standpoint, God was just opening my, my eyes up scripturally. I mean, it is, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible, man. And not only is it in the Bible, you look at God's original intent, you know, 1726 of access that through one blood, through one man, God has called for every nation to dwell on the face of the earth. You know, you think about God creating Adam and from this one man, he didn't create another lump of clay when he thought about breaking Eve. He went into the man and pulled out. But the oneness that he's keeping that he wanted to build humanity in you know, you look at that, you look how he wanted one family, one name, one spirit, one. I mean, it was the whole idea was one is, you know, and uh, and the division and the separation of uh, well, just the effects of sin has changed so much of that, you know. And so I think um, our efforts is to see the fullness um, of the gospel, you know, and that involves unity that's going to be done through love and value and appreciation and and all those kind of different kind of things. You know, when we look at the Bible and we, we, when we talk about heaven, mm-hmm. you know, every tribe, every nation, mm-hmm. every tongue mm-hmm. is going to be represented. And I, when we get to heaven, it's going to be an incredible, incredible experience. Absolutely. And it will be, yes, it will be black and white and, and red and brown and <laughs> everything in between. Yes, sir. Um, talk, talk to us about, I'm going to go back just a moment to, your pro ball okay. and and you you that that purpose versus pleasure. pleasure. Yes, sir. Speak into because I, I think we we live in a pleasure driven mm-hmm. culture, right? But God calls us to something more, right? Talk right. about that for me. Yeah, minute. the ideal for pleasure is that God connects connects levels of joy to our calling. You know, you think about how. With, with a man and a woman, he adds pleasure to intimacy, but it's never about the pleasure. It's for the procreation. It's about being fruitful and multiplying. He, uh, he attached the joy or the pleasure to the calling. And sometimes when you, uh, when you lose track of God, it's no longer about the calling, just the pleasure. 
And that's what we've done when we, when, when, you know, God is removed from the situation, you know, we pursue things for our own desires, for our own will, for our own, um, our own gain. And so, you know, when God is, um, highlighting purpose versus calling what he's doing, he's calling me out of a life that I'm living for myself into a life that's about his purpose for my life. And it doesn't mean that it's going to, it's going to lack pleasure. It's going to be a pleasure attached to it, you know, but it's not going to be the lead. It's not going to be the priority. It's going to be me denying myself, taking up my cross and following him by way of sharing the gospel in these ways or as a father, whatever. It doesn't matter. The, 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 the lane in life, the principle is the same that, you know, purpose is more powerful than pleasure, but purpose also entails pleasure, which is a, a great thing. Well, I, I think one of the things that when, when we met, mm-hmm. I go, this guy's in, this guy's enjoying life. Oh yeah. I, I mean, you can see the joy of the Lord is your strength. You can see that. I mean, we, we laughed, we, we, we laughed together. <laughs> we're, we're just hanging out. There's right. joy in the Lord. Yeah. And some people think that when you serve Jesus, now he does, he calls us to deny ourselves, to take mm-hmm. up the cross, uh, you know, our cross and, you know, and follow him mm-hmm. at the same time. I see joy in you mm-hmm. and that's, that's the be- that's the beauty of following Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, one of the definitions for joy is grace recognized. Mm. You know, and when you recognize the grace in your life, it's supposed to lead to joy. You know, and um and I I recognize the grace that's been there, you know, and uh, one of my favorite prayers is out of Colossians that God would fill us with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that we may walk worthy of him, fully pleasing him and being fruitful in every good way, increasing the knowledge of him, but if you look at it, it goes on and says that Jesus, um, that in his, he endured, well, you can just take Hebrews, Jesus for the joy that was set before, Absolutely. endured the pain of the cross. Yep. You know? That's it. That's it. So we're going to take another break, come back, two more segments, and talk a little bit more about what does it mean? What does the school of reform mean? What does that mean? What does it look like? If we were to roll up on the school of reform, would we go, what is going on here? Good or bad? What is happening? So we're going to take a break. Be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio. Hadley Sign Solutions. Owner Chris Hadley has 35 years experience in design, manufacturing, and the installation of commercial exterior electrical signage. He can help promote your business in Kentucky and Southern Indiana. Call him at 502-419-7228. That's 419-7228. Or you can email him at HadleySignSolutions at gmail.com. That's HadleySignSolutions. Dan Hart Financial, if you want to retire or want to talk about retirement, Whether you're a year away or 20 years away, Dan Hart can sit down, come up with your plan that you uh, need to have, or talk about your plan that you have in place and see if it's a good fit. Dan Hart Financial. So in our last segment, Brandon at a conference has a vision to say, hey, this needs to be some change made. And now there's a little organization he's put together called School of Reform, and we're going to hear a little bit more about what that looks like in reality. You know, Chad, we talk about what breaks your heart. Mm-hmm. Many times that's what God is calling us to do. 
Uh, he's he's put this burden on your heart, and that that's really what you s- experienced at that conference, yeah. where you saw a lack of diversity, mm-hmm. and that was the that was really the the burden that God was putting on your heart to say, okay, got to do we're gonna do something about it. Yeah, yeah, which is a big deal, you know, culturally growing up. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of prejudice, racism, segregation. You know, I was in Atlanta, you know what I mean, and uh, and even though Atlanta has a huge population for blacks. There was just, there was a lot of tension, you know, cause it's the South, yep. you know, and, uh, and there's a lot of racism that I experienced in my life, especially when I went to school in West Virginia. Um, but I remember God saying something to me, this is in the season when he was really teaching me about love. He told me that um, you can't change something that's influencing you. And uh, I had to come from under being influenced by, even if it was being viewed as, you know, the victim, you know, when you embrace a new life in Christ, it's a new life in Christ, you know, and then you're able to bring change because of where you're seated. You're seated with him in the heavenly places. You're looking at things from a different perspective. You're, you're, you're seeing his original intent and you're looking to bring that into situations, not, you know, the offense from situations. And so, um, when, um, when God was highlighting this to me, um, I was familiar with the sense of some of the dynamics that was necessary to bring diversity, but I n- never put anything together that was that was aimed towards the beauty of oneness and unity. You know what I mean? So um, this school, um, it was it was really birthed out of that. That's that was the heart of it to try to create an environment that reflected that. That 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 kind of diversity. How do we reach the young people? Right. How do we have multi multi everything? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when 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 you lead these events. What are some topics that you are trying to drive home to these folks that come? Yeah, so our topics is kind of based off of the places that we go. They're not always the same. Um, what is consistent is that we always re-preach the gospel so that, you know, you never know what people know. So we just we start from Adam, God's intentions. Actually, yeah, we start from Adam, God's intentions, and just look at, you know, how man was designed and, you know, the beauty of the woman and, and all those things and what was lost. Because if the Son of Man is coming to seek and say that which was lost, if we don't know what's lost, then it's kind of hard to know what he restored. So we, we, you know, we look at, you know, life from that perspective and what God intended and then, you know, what Jesus brought. Because if he's restoring what was lost, then I can just look at what he brought and see what was lost. And so he brought the kingdom. He brought Holy Spirit back. He brought back perspective and love and righteousness and all these things. And so our topics are really surrounded around the finished works of Christ. And then re-looking at some of these stories in the old through the lens of Christ. You know what I mean? So some of the topics that we hit is fellowship in with Holy Spirit. You know, how to how to commune with God daily in a practical way where, you know, um, where it's just more, um, I guess, simple for people. Um, and that's simple compared to what I grew up in, you know. And so um, also uh, we hit topics on like the importance of the blood of Jesus. You know, what what did he reconcile through his blood? Uh, we hit topics about the fivefold ministry and the beauty of leadership and their role of equipping us for the work of the ministry. Uh, yeah. We covered topics uh, like family. We did an event in February called Love Edemic that totally focused on singles, married, and people that, you know, who experience divorce in ways that we can encourage and surround them with um, God's ideal and comfort and help them see, you know, be restored or reconciled to their spouse. And, you know, so it's kind of, it's it's really based on, you know, 
the region and what we feel like God is calling us to. But what is consistent about our schools is that we reteach the gospel. We always empower people on ways to share Jesus just out in, you know, in public. Um, and that's not necessarily through a principle. It's really just finding Christ in you, the way that's comfortable for you, the way that you engage, the way that blah, 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 blah. And so, um, but yeah, it's really just a training facility in which we equip people for the work of the ministry by reestablishing Jesus as the chief cornerstone and, uh, and, and, and creating an environment that reflects a certain level of diversity. Yeah. Chad, you got a question. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask a question here that if I'm hearing this, somebody may have a, maybe a skeptical question. Cool. Okay. Why do I need to be reintroduced to Jesus? Great question. Okay. Now the question is there's been many a people, black, white, rich, poor, They've grown up in church. Mm-hmm. What have they heard growing up? And now what do you see people hearing now when you say you're reintroducing them to Jesus? Great question. Well, growing up, especially here in, in, in the West, um, I think one of the biggest challenges we found in church is that it's hard for us to rightly divide the old covenant and the new covenant. And we've brought over a, a lot of... Um, a lot of the Jewish narrative into the church. And those are two completely different entities. So Israel and the church are, are two different covenants. Um, the church is a, is a creature. It's a living organism. The church is one with Christ. Israel wasn't, Israel was not born again. Israel were, you know, the law was given only to Israel. But when you look at our culture today, you see so much of the influence of Israel on the church and it's a different covenant. And when you're living in a covenant, that's not the new covenant. It's almost as if Christ hasn't died because you're not living from his victory. You're still adding in some of Moses' teachings concerning what to eat or circumcision or how you approach your, your neighbor. I'll give you a biblical example. So in Matthew chapter five, Jesus announces that he is coming under the law. I did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law, uh, Matthew 5, 19. Mm-hmm. So his ministry is under the law, so much so that he tells his apostles, Do don't, don't even go to the Gentiles. Don't even go into the, the city of the Samaritans, but only go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel because that's who we're targeting right now because that's who the law was given to. But when we don't understand it and don't embrace that, we'll look at some of Jesus' teachings that he's specifically telling them, hey, when the leper came to him in Matthew 8 and said, hey, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I am clean. Be Therefore, I mean, I am willing. Therefore, be cleansed and go offer the gift that Moses commanded you as a testimony against him. That's a very Jewish idea. Well, if I'm reading a Bible and I'm saying I'm going to follow everything I see in red because it's Jesus speaking and I don't rightly divide where he was fulfilling the law and where he ended it. I'm still in error and I can't really connect with God because I'm trying to live through something that he ended. So when Jesus recommissioned the apostles, there was a need to recommission them because since he's died, the commissioning has changed. So when we examine the church today, you just see a lot of people still trying to bring in the old into the new and it hinders their freedom. It hinders uh, them experiencing the fullness of Christ. It hinders because you're living as if he had not died and changed something. Jesus' death has changed things. Hmm. So if I don't know what has changed, then I'll still be a product of old because I'm not living in the new. 
Yeah, you're not. What you're not saying is that we don't we don't throw the Old Testament away. Oh, of course not. Yeah, all scriptures God breathed. Absolutely. And so we use the Old Testament, but we understand it in context of what um, the Old Testament is all pointing to. What's going to happen into the fulfillment of Christ? That's what Paul said in Second Second uh, Corinthians chapter three. He said that till this day there still lies a veil over the reading of the Old Testament, but the veil is taken away in Christ. So what he's saying is you don't throw away the Old Testament. He says you come into Christ and then you look at the old through the lens of Christ and you can see it more clearly. You can see what these types and shadows reflect. You can see how the, this was leading up to. But if, if, if that's a stumbling block, if we don't come to Christ in that manner, then we'll still live veiled. Yeah, because the only way we have salvation is through the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Absolutely. I, I want to I, I talk, talk just a little bit about some of the things that you, I, I think, is on your heart. And I just wanted to read a few statistics okay. that that I think you guys are trying to address yes, in, in our culture. Um, it This comes out of uh, Tim Brown's book, um, God and a Man, and these are just some statistics. It says only 3% of a church's congregation of the young men ages 18 to 34 um, are, are, are young men. I mean, masses of young men are not a part of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, he says in here, 63% of teen suicides come from fatherless homes. Speak into that a little bit. Wow. That was a major talking points. Um, as far as the church, I think it goes a little bit back to what Chad mentioned. You know, there's been so much that's happened in the church that it's a turnoff, that people don't want to come. They don't want to hear about Jesus. When they see, like, the division in the church or they feel like it's legalistic and they can't be free or when they go to church and then they go home and their parents live a life that's completely opposite to that. There's different dynamics that drive people away from Jesus. And unfortunately, until people develop a personal relationship with God, they only know Him through His leaders. And if that's the image, they're not going to be around with it. We're going to take a break for one more segment. We need about 20 more. We only got one. So we're going to be back shortly here on Solid Steps Radio. Iroquois Family and Cosmetic Dentistry. Dr. Eric Veal has been a sponsor of our show since the beginning. If you need your teeth cleaned, Overall, dental health, Dr. Eric Veal can take care of you. He's got two locations in the Louisville area, one in Iroquois Park area, and then the other in eastern Jefferson County. That's Iroquois Family and Cosmetic Dentistry. And Frank Enterprises, they are a professional septic tank, landscaping, and wastewater management company. If you have water outside your house that's not going where it's supposed to go, or you have septic tank issues or any landscaping needs, Frank Enterprises can take care of you. Their years of experience will come through, and you will be thankful you called them. So we're in our fourth segment, and during the break, we were having a very biblical conversation about Denzel Washington. <laughs> um, it, it, what came up was a quote. I remember hearing Denzel in this, in this interview, and I'm paraphrasing what he said, but an interviewer was asking Denzel, why does a black man have to direct a particular movie he was going to be in and Denzel's response was this was not about color he says Martin Scorsese had to direct Goodfellas not because he was white but because he understood the culture Mm -hmm. of the Italian culture and so 
we were just talking in that there are differences in culture and that is okay. Mm-hmm. We don't have to have everybody's culture being the same, black culture, white culture, rich culture, poor culture, whatever it is, cultures are different and that's okay. But us being against one another in those cultures, that's where we need to bring people together. And so your thoughts on that, Brent? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's incredible. You know, you and Denzel. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, I I think that's such a profound statement, you know, um, because it is important to see, once again, diversity. And you can't see diversity if you only have one culture. You know, one of the beauties of life is when you travel to other cities, other states, other locations, and you see how they think, how they approach, how they, you know, uh, their philosophies on these different things. And that, I think that's a beauty in the, in the kingdom. You know, we have a culture in the kingdom, you know, and, uh, and although that culture may come with similar language, you know, redemption and holiness and all those things, it's still expressed different through our, our natural culture you know, through the culture that we grew up with. And that's the beauty of it. You know, I, I you know, I, I grew up inner city Atlanta, you know, so I have on my Nike hoodie and my hat, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and I, by the a, way, you look good. I appreciate that. <laughs> I knew you was a man of God. You can see no, <laughs> but it's, but it's different, you know? And so, but the beauty is being able to recognize that um, no matter the expression is still motivated by God. It's a, it's a beauty given from God you know, it's like people, you know, we all look different, but we're all his image. And if I can value the look because of the source, then I can appreciate the person. Because you, as a black man, mm-hmm. are created in the image of God. Absolutely. Chad sitting right next to you, a white guy, is created in the image of God. Yes, sir. And we, as brothers in Christ, we love each other. Yes, there's distinct differences, mm-hmm. but that's 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 to be celebrated, right? Not to be divided over, right? And yes, you might do things differently than I do, but that's let's uh, you know, your wife is different than you, right? <laughs> my wife is different than me, and I don't look at my wife and make that division. I think that's a beautiful thing. For sure. Let's how how do we come? together yeah you know no one would ever mistake me for chad you know (laughs) but (laughs) but but me and chad (laughs) i'm six one (laughs) true and you do have on a black shirt (laughs) no but me and chad even though no one would ever mistake us for each other we can still wake up for the same purpose yes we can be united for the same with the same purpose to love to reveal to and that's where the unity is it's not necessarily in how we talk or how we look it's the purpose that unites us and uh, and i think god is seen through that and the beauty is is that when jesus is our focus Mm -hmm. And the glory and honor and praise of his name is our attention. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what we as men, we've got to go back to the cross. We've got to go back to the Lord Jesus. Yeah. Um, and that's what I, I wanted you to comment on some of these uh, statistics. Coming back again to Tim Brown's book, um, only 5% of Christian men say that they have a best friend. Like, wow. That means we're we're being isolated, mm-hmm. we're alone. Mm-hmm. You, you want to comment on that? Yeah, isolated, alone. Don't trust people. Uh, maybe some shame, guilt. As you know, you think about just how life works. You know, most people don't have best friends because of bad experiences. Yeah. You know, at one point they trusted and something happened and this and the third. But men, we're we're called to be in fellowship. We're called to we, we're you know iron sharpen iron. That 
isn't just the exchange of thoughts. It's the exchange of purpose. We're stronger together, you know, um, and it's so vital for um, especially kingdom men to see the beauty of the 12 disciples. Now, I know Jesus, clearly he is not a racist, nor is he sexist, but I think it's something strategic about him calling 12 men. He still redeemed women, but he, he started his ministry with men, no different than he started his creation with a man. And I think that's strategic. I think he was trying to build something in the foundation of humanity. He was trying to impart something into the men that they were supposed to lead the charge. So he modeled to the men how to, how to treat a woman. You know, when they came and found him at the well with that woman, they marveled that he was spoken to a woman, but no one questioned him. But he had empowered that woman, and that was something that stuck with them. You know, he modeled how to treat a woman that came in that washed his feet. While, you know, the Pharisees are saying if he knew the kind of woman she was, you know, he, he displayed something that was supposed to start with the men. You know, and our culture, honestly, it's, it seems like it's not just anti-Christ, it's anti-men. That they're trying to reform. We're talking about reforming in the church. They're trying to reform the structure of, of manhood, you know, and, and, and adding this level of um, versatility to how you can approach your identity. See, all of that you have to bring into question because it's not God's intent. You know, science, we, we embrace science for everything else, but when it comes to identity, we go away from it because we're not trying to live through definites. We're not looking for definitives. We're looking for ways to be fluid in our thinking. And you got to ask the question, why? You got to look at the coach and, and, and figure out why is it making you feel this way? Examine it. And what you won't examine, you'll never change or you'll never live change from. You'll just think that it's normal, but it's not. Because you know. God is a God is a God of order for sure and beauty for sure. And when we when you see chaos and confusion, mm -hmm. that's the mark of the enemy for sure. For, for sure. sure, absolutely. Yeah, he's he's about functionality. You know, when I think about a man, you know, I think about an office, no different than a president, um, or you know, in a church, in a church world, a pastor. Being a, a male is an office, which means it comes with a functionality or a role. It comes with the necessary equipment to fulfill that role. You know, um, uh, when I think about a male, you're thinking about the offsprings of being a male, a father, an uncle, a brother, a cousin. These are all necessities for what God created. When he brought the earth and brought all creation, he knew what would be necessary for it to exist and prosper the way he intended. And the male was necessary for that. And so when men draw back from being that and from stepping up, even when they, you know, we've made plenty of mistakes. We've done things that are wrong. We said things that are wrong, but that's the purpose of the blood. That's the purpose of mercy and grace. It is to empower you to have another opportunity to step into what God has. He, he removes all excuses with his death. He, he removes all stumbling blocks saying, Hey, if you, if you have, you know, sin in your life, I have grace for your life. You know, if you if you if you have shame, then I can empower you in your identity. I can remove that so that you can have the beauty of experiencing what I intended. He's just looking for men to come. Mm. He's a redeeming God. Amen. Oh, hey, brother, man, we 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 talked about doing twenty more uh, sections. I want forty now because he brought up Denzel, so I want forty. <laughs> oh, Brandon, it is so good to have you on. Man. Thank you for what you're doing. Thanks for your heart for the kingdom and for uh, just being a model to follow, brother. Um, but I'm going to ask you to pray us out. Yes, sir. And pray for us guys that we would be bold. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. Yes. 
Help us to be bold. Yeah, Father, you, you hear the petition and you hear our hearts, and I just pray for that. I pray that every man under the sound of my voice, God, would receive not just conviction, but uh, a sense of love and and purpose that you were awaking them um, to why you're calling them, why you had them listen to this particular um, this this particular segment. And Father, I just thank you that you would continue to work in them only what you can work in them, which is your conviction, your love, and your purpose. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen, Brandon. It is an awesome privilege to have you on man i enjoyed it thank you for coming god bless you in august and your your girls and uh just really appreciate your heart thank you brother thank you so the website to go more about it is schoolofreform.com yes sir schoolofreform.com and does it have a list of schedules of where you all will be traveling and being yes sir so if you're listening go to schoolofreform.com and you can hear more about brandon his ministry where they're going what do you need to be reformed in your life Everyone in this room <laughs> and everyone hearing this show has something to be reformed. I was thinking about today before I came in here. I don't like the guy who I was 10 years ago. I hope the guy 10 years from now who I am won't like me now. There has to be constant. It's called sanctification. Everybody needs something reformed in them. Now, we're new in Christ. Praise God by his blood. But there's always the growth until we see him again. So we pray that you will be reformed in a very good way and in a way from God and not man. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Solid Stuff Radio.